Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Citizen Penn chronicles the moment Sean Penn and his team of volunteers landed in Haiti just after a 7.0 earthquake struck in 2010 and in the 10 years since offering viewers an intimate, honest and self-reflective look into the triumphs as well as the challenges of a man who decided to do something. He got involved in a way few celebrity activists ever will. Viewers can decide for themselves whether Haiti is better for it. That doesn't sound quite right because he is, there was some amazing work done by Sean Penn and his and his team of volunteers. It's a remarkable, doc- I really had a great time with this documentary. It's called Citizen Penn. We're joined today by the writer as well as the director, and that would be Don Hardy. Don, welcome back to Film School Radio. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Mike. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was a good intro. It's it's interesting that line, you know, about is Haiti better off for it uh, was something that I, I wrote in the, you know, kind of coming up with the message of this film because it's a, it's a challenging one. You don't want, um, you don't want to answer it for people. You know, you want them to yeah. make up their own mind. Yeah. Um, certainly what, I, what I've seen with Sean over the past, I mean, 11 years of making this film and known him for you know, 15 years, I, I think that the work he did in Haiti and his team did in Haiti and continues to. Now there's, there's still a large contingent there working every day. Um, I certainly see progress, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I hope the viewers can, can just watch it and say, wow, I'm surprised by that. And I remember when the earthquake happened, I remember seeing the footage that we see in the film of the palace essentially collapsing. And at the time, President Barack Obama was happy to send aid to Haiti. As often will happen with disasters, three months later, it's wasn't there an earthquake in Haiti, you know, (laughs) you know, for most people. And I'm not this is not an indictment of, of people, but. It, it would be easy to lose sight of disasters and things that happen. And, and this film is uh, the anecdote to that in the sense that Sean Penn, who could have easily done the drive-by, gotten the photo opportunity yeah. and said, thanks for the memories and, and move it on. But I also know enough about Sean Penn to know that his activism, his concern for people and for things that he believes in. It's a big part of his person. Uh, and uh, so uh, and one, on one level, I'm not surprised, but at the same time, it's a really involving documentary film. Tell, tell me how you mentioned, how long have you known Sean Penn? Sounds like you've known him for a while. Yeah. Well, about 15 years, I guess. I was just sort of, you know, in knowing that I was going to be talking about the film a bit, I started kind of reflecting on it and I met him and I, I think it was 2005 through a friend my filmmaking partner, Dana Nachman, and I, we were setting off to make our first film, and it was a movie called Witch Hunt, and it's about wrongful conviction. And our friend introduced us to Sean because he was just coming off of Dead Man Walking, and he said, maybe this would be something that, that Sean would be interested in. We kind of chuckled about it because we're like, Sean who? And he's like, oh, well, I'm friendly with Sean Penn. And, you know, we never thought that he would actually help support, you know, a couple of novice filmmakers. We, we were journalists at the time. And we were trying to make this movie, but he did. He was very gracious. He came on board as, and he narrated the film. And then he exe- ultimately was an executive producer on it and really helped push it forward and helped to get it out there. So in some ways, you know, the whole 
career I've now had in a way kind of goes back to, to that moment, him believing in us and, and introducing us to some of the people in his circle, including Eddie Vedder, uh, who you know, we had a Pearl Jam song in, in that film, Witch Hunt. And then on the industry side, I mean, so many people that he, he opened doors for. So that led you know, to 2010 when the earthquake happened. You know, I'd known him for a bit and I was very grateful to him for his, his help and support. So when I saw him on CNN talking about what was going on in Haiti, and but there was no footage of it, I called his assistant and I said, does he need somebody there filming? You know, maybe that could be my way to show, you know, my gratitude for him believing in us. So that was the initial reason I went there, was really just to collect some footage to help push out to news networks of what was going on there. And, you know, not long after setting down in Haiti, it, to me, you know, I'd have already done a, quite a bit of traveling as a, as a journalist and as a filmmaker. But what I saw there was very unique. I mean, it was this coming together of people from all over the world that had rushed there to, to help. And then the Haitian people themselves, who, even though their country had just been devastated, were still getting up, putting on clean clothes, <clears throat> trying to go to work, trying to do for their families. And that it just felt like something that needed to be a film in its own. Because we see it in the film, and uh, there are many references to the degree and level of devastation. Yeah. What were your impressions when you got off the plane and saw Port-au-Prince? Yeah, the, the first time I got there was about two months after the earthquake. And so I thought, <clears throat> you know, probably it would be, roads would be passable, most of the rubble would be cleaned up. I, that's what I, I thought going into it, and that's not what I found. I mean, roads were closed rubble was everywhere it was uh, as we show in the film you know miles of just rubble that had been stacked in the road so people couldn't get their cars if they had a car they couldn't get it out of the garage and so limiting their ability to work to do all of those things it was um there were still bodies in the street you know it was this was a couple months after so yeah it it, it blew me away in every way to just see the the level of devastation and i don't know how much people here really you know, and I say here, just outside of Haiti, understand just how broken the country was. Just one last question about sort of your reaction. I can imagine that just, first of all, the initial shock of what you're seeing, right, just sort of that trauma for seeing the degree and, and the depth of, of the destruction. But then on an emotional level, just to be, to see what I would assume hundreds, if not thousands of people walking around deprived of food, deprived of water often, just just the kind of the toll that that would take on. And the reason I'm asking is because you as well, but Sean Penn and, the, and that team of the initial 30 people who went over, what kind of, what does that do to you as a person as you're, as you're kind of dealing with that? As, you know, as a journalist, as a filmmaker, you try to keep everything at a bit of a distance. You know, you know that you're just kind of there you're to, to stay on task, do your job. And, but it, it doesn't work in a situation like that. You, you do get so invested in the people there and walking the, uh, the camp. Uh, one of the, the focal points of the film is this golf course camp that Sean and his team members become the managers of. And it's the only golf course in Haiti. It's on this rather steep hillside. And we walked every inch of that camp when, you know, my, myself and my two colleagues that were there shooting with me. And we met a lot of people along the way. You know, you have to earn that little bit of trust to even take their pictures and hear their stories. It, yeah, it sticks with me. And I still, I still think a lot of the, uh, uh, in particular, the people, that, the kids that were maybe eight or 10 years old then that are now, 
young adults. Right. And I just wonder how, how they're all doing. And it's impossible to really stay together. People move around so much and there's no, you know, cell phones change. <laughs> there's not a lot of way to stay in touch. But, uh, but yeah, I think about it a lot. And what I saw in Sean and his team, like they didn't really realize going into this, how long they were going to be there. He thought he was going to go in for a couple of weeks, deliver some supplies and then get out and go back to, to life. But then the decision to stay was a big one. And they set up camp in on top of that golf course camp on uh, some tennis courts. They created a place for their whole, all of their volunteers and, and staff to stay. And I think they were the only nonprofit or NGO like this that lived so close to the people that they were serving. I think that was helpful in a lot of ways in earning that trust, but probably kept them a little too close to, you know, there's no way to step back from it. And you, know, right. you were living with it 24 seven. Yeah. And Sean said in his interview that uh, we use in the film that this clip isn't in there, but he said to me that, you know, he stayed for nine months initially, like nine months on the ground there. And he said, by the time I went home, I was demonstrably crazy. It just had, it had gotten to him. And I think since then they've inst- instituted policies. So nobody can stay more than three months without a break, you know, that, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, to try to uh, ease some of that burnout. Well, and it's it's living in chaos, right? That that's yeah. the thing that I mean. If you are kind of unmoored from your norm, which I call normal life here in the states or wherever you might have come from, to be there, to be unmoored from that, to be away from your family, your friends, all of those sort of support systems that you would come to rely on, uh, and then to be in a situation where every day is going to be pretty difficult. I'm not saying that, you yeah. know, that there aren't moments of joy and accomplishment and the rest of it that self sort of gratifying things that you would uh, you'd accomplish. But to be in a situation where the uncertainty of every day, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. That's a very good way to put it. That, that uncertainty, you never know what's going to come through the door, what problem you're going to have to solve. And you're really running on adrenaline the whole time, sleeping maybe three or four hours a night. Right. And this is not unique to, to Sean. Um, the, you know, this is a group of people that runs towards disasters. You know, hopefully we show them in the film. And, and Sean is the, the through line of the film because he's the guy that was there on day one and, and still remains. But I hope people, viewers get a, get a little bit of a taste of uh, all of these individuals that, that can put their lives on hold to go try to help others. Yeah. And I would just add one small element to what you said not knowing what's coming through the door every day and not knowing if you'll have the means or the ability to solve or bring comfort or whatever to that situation. And that's yeah. a constant as well. I want to remind our listeners, we're talking with uh, the writer and the director of the film Citizen Pen, and that would be Don Hardy. Uh, let's step a half a step back from this, the, the part of the, the relief efforts after the earthquake, because there's so many people in the film I'd really like to just at least mention in terms of their commitment, in addition to Sean's. I'm, I'm sure he would put their names up first as well in terms of yes. what they did. But um, Haiti is one of those countries that uh, has a very complicated and complex relationship with the United States, but also with France. And just a very, very brief history lesson. Haiti was the site of the first slave rebellion in which they threw the French colonialists out of power and for which they have been, in my opinion, paying the price ever since. <laughs> yeah. 
And I think the United States involvement in Haiti has again been, they've been, it's a country that's vast history of corruption and brutality of, of the political leadership towards their people. And yet through it all, and what we see in the film is this incredible resiliency of these people. If, if you'd like to add anything or, or, or correct me in any way on my description, please. Jump no, in. no, that's certainly accurate to what I've seen and the research I've done in the making of this film. And, and unfortunately, what's happening there now is very similar to you know, what's happened in, in decades previous, is you have a, a leader who won't uh, let go of power and is making it very tough for all these groups to to do good there when there's so much needed and they're not dealing with COVID-19 pandemic yet. There's kids I, I don't believe are back in school right now. Yeah, it seems like history repeating itself. And I certainly feel for the people that I know there and you know the crew from Sean Penn's organization that's still there. It's, it's a bad situation. And, and I do think that those external forces that you mentioned, external governments have done a lot to harm but the like the people from the u.s in particular but around the world that did pour money into haiti after the earthquake i think there's a lot of reasons to be prideful uh, as well because there was a lot of good work done just now it's it's gridlocked and that's unfortunate i know there's a political situation now one one fun fact i didn't know about until you know a few years ago was that the haitian government still owed the french government reparations still yeah. money to this day and the slave rebellion happened in the 1790s 1780s so. it's safe in yeah. 1790s and they still owe france reparations so that just Sounds i'm just sort right. of to put a frame around just that kind of that relationship but in the film we see the french government contributing money for relief efforts as well so while it's yeah. this is not complete <laughs> i don't want to paint a completely dark picture of the relationship but it there is it, there's, I, I think, yeah, in the, the section you, you reference is about this Haiti takes root about reforestation. Yeah, that could be one way to lift, help lift Haiti out of poverty. It still remains to be seen. This is, you know, about halfway through the ten years that this film documents. Um, we ended up in Paris with the president and the uh, minister of ecology there, and Sean, and forming this partnership to put millions into uh, reforestation hasn't really developed the way they had hoped yet, but but hopefully it will in the future. The film Citizen Pen will be premiering on Discovery Plus on May 6th. So uh, by the time you hear this interview, it will have been on the air Discovery Plus for about a day. So you you will if you'll be the first <laughs> on your block to check this out. The format for the film I really liked a lot in the sense that you have a sit-down interview with Sean and we cut back and forth between that and the footage of him working with uh, his his organization, JPHRO. I forgot what that stands for. It okay. stands for the Jenkins Penn Haitian Relief Organization. So when, when it was formed, it was Sean and philanthropist named Diana Jenkins formed this organization. And then they kind of, they parted ways early on, but then the name stuck until I believe two years ago is when they renamed the organization to CORE, which mm-hmm. presented us with a little bit of a challenge in, in the film because you're taking this whole ride with one organization and now we got to have a name change and things like that. But I think the new name really better articulates what they're doing and the work that they're doing still in Haiti and in the Bahamas. And now they're doing COVID testing and vaccinations here in the U.S., getting ready to start a COVID-19 vaccination program in Brazil. 
Um, they just keep, the, the scope keeps changing. And it's been interesting over this past year to spend some time with Sean as he, he was setting up a COVID-19 testing program here in Oakland, uh, close to where I live. And, uh, and so I went over and saw him and did a little bit of filming. And he's having the same conversations there with local leaders as he had in Haiti all those years ago. That was the approach from day one, is to not go in there and say, well, this is what I think you need to have. And, and maybe that's his naivete. You know, he didn't know that he was going in there to try to set people up with water or food or whatever. He was listening to what they actually wanted. And now I'm hearing those same conversations here in the U.S. It's, it's strange. Yes, it's, it's strange and unfortunate. And uh, we're having these conversations about what are these terrible living conditions here in the United States. And, yeah. But one of the things that you can't help but come away from this film with an appreciation for Sean Penn and his tenacity and his, you know, working against type in terms of what people perceive him as and, you know, being on the ground, really just putting in the work, but also his adaptability, right? I mean, yeah. what we see in the film is this organization that he put together to help with Haitian relief. When presented with a problem, they adapted. They found ways yeah. to make it work. And even when money wasn't an issue, I mean, you could easily, some people might say, well, Sean Penn can go out and raise a lot of money. You know, it's not really fair to see. No, there were a whole bunch of situations that we see in the film where it's not about money. It's about resources and being able to direct those resources in a way that are effective. And as you said, listening to the people. And in the film, we see how his organization hands over to my mind, as soon as they could hand over responsibility for helping repair Haiti to the Haitian people who, who stepped up and wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, I think that's really true. And one of the parts of the film that I, I like the most is the fundraising aspect of it, because uh, I, I don't, you know, to your point, most people sit there and say, well, Sean Penn's got an unlimited contact list and, an, and a lot of you know, personal wealth. So what, what he, can't he do here? You know, it's got to be easy. And it's not easy because then the scope keeps growing. And, you know, you have a $30 million a year budget that has to come from somewhere and the government grants and things weren't, weren't coming in. And so he has to go out there and ask friends, many of them famous friends, for money every year. And, you know, I'm sure everybody here has had a campaign on Facebook around their raising money for a cause or a uh, maybe done a Kickstarter campaign for a movie project you want to get going. It's hard to ask for money. It doesn't matter who you are. And and I think that the way that comes through in, in the film, you know, probably wouldn't have happened if we made the movie seven or eight years ago. But now that you have this 10-year project, it kind of becomes about sustainability and development, which seems really boring, but I, I don't think it comes across boring in the film. I'm so happy because, yeah, Sean has sort of dropped off the map in some ways as far as his film career is concerned. I don't know of too many projects that he's been that's big, high profile projects. And yeah. what I get the sense in the film is that, well, I don't think he's walked away from doing films. It does feel like this was such an important part for him in his life and for his well-being and just how he how he is. Well, yeah, I don't know many actors that he won the Academy Award for Milk in 2009 and then decided to devote virtually his, all of his waking hours to sleeping in a tent in Haiti. We've never really talked about how much of it was a, you know, a real decision to like, I'm not going to 
actor, you know, and he has, he's directed a couple of projects he's acted in, and then a couple of things, including a Hulu series. Um, and now I believe there's a few projects on the horizon, including a new one that he, he directed and stars in with his daughter, which is, seems pretty cool. So I think he's getting it going again, but really at the height of your career to walk away from it and to go do something so different and commit yourself to it so fully, uh, it's pretty rare. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Again, the film is called Citizen Pen. And as I said, it's premiering on Discovery Plus. And so check this out, uh, Discovery Plus. And they've really been uh, stepping up. There's a lot of great films and documentaries on the Discovery Plus. Good to see. And it's good to see Sean Penn. It's just good. Yeah. It's it's easy to sort of uh, forget what a presence he's been in terms of his film career and terrific work. You mentioned Milk. Uh, there's so many films. I'm not going to start down the rabbit hole trying to remember all of them, but I just feel like whatever fuels him, it has fueled him for a long time, yeah. right? His passion. And one of the wonderful little little notes in the film that I really appreciated was seeing people at these fundraisers like Madonna, like Robin Wright, like people who have been a part of his past who seem still committed to him and friends or whatever that relationship might be. But it's good to see along the way that his passion has engendered this sort of level of, co of loyalty among people he knows. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, having been around him, I mean, we're not, we're not close pals or anything, but having been around him and the people in his life for 15 years now, he keeps the people that are close to him very close. And I think that uh, they stick with him for a reason because he, and, and this is what I've seen in the projects that he's helped me out with and how I've tried to you know, pass that on is that if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And, you know, you know, in this business, um, you know, I, it's hard to even say I'm in the film business. I make documentaries, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's few and far between. I mean, most people just don't follow through. Most people, you know, have some angle on it. And I've never really seen that with him in all of this time. He might be challenging to get to commit to things, but when he does, he sees it through. You know, as I was making this film, I went out to a lot of the folks that maybe were critics of him in 2010 to see if they would comment on him now. And nobody would because he stuck it out and he's still there and he's still doing stuff. So and with the doubts they had then, they don't have anymore. So it, it's, I don't know, something in there about the way that the media treats celebrity in this country, which is maybe the subject of another documentary. It's it a, might be. Well, it's a strange one. Well, come when you've made that come back, I'd love <laughs> to talk to you again. The film is called Citizen Pen, and we've been uh, talking with the writer and director Don Hardy. Don, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Of course, thanks so much, Mike. It was thank fun. You. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music